Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Hard Foul. We are back from our break with a new setup, new screen, new monitors, new new everything. We even got a new microphone, even though it's not hooked up today, but it should be hooked up tomorrow. A lot of exciting things going around. Shout out to Sweeps GG for um, one a computer, a microphone, a headset, keyboard, a whole bunch of stuff out there. It was super cool. Um, so yeah, now we got this new setup. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, it's mostly all you're going to be able to see is the green screen, but production-wise, I've got two computers, um, two mo a monitor each for both of them. I got a monitor for my games, and I got uh, my tablet over here on the wall. I'm talking about everything on the wall. If you listened to A&M last week, um, I'm trying to put my whole life on the wall, and it's working out great so far. Uh, really enjoying it. Once again, shout out to them. Super grateful. Uh, for the sweepstakes that I got that I won um, Yeah, uh, so that's why we had to take some time off though because we had to change it I even flipped my whole studio around I used to be not that you guys were able to tell But I used to be on the other side of the room now. I'm on the this side of the room uh, I will have a studio video coming Probably within the next month. I know I have a couple side projects besides just the daily shows. I want to get out Shout out to you if you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, however you listen to podcasts. I appreciate you being here with us today. It is a Monday, and as excited as we are about the NBA being back, we are going to start. Uh, we are, the majority of Monday shows are still going to be really NFL-focused coming off the weekend, and some of Tuesday as well, um, and, excuse me, but... We are going to start with the NBA today, then get into our NFL stuff a little bit later. Uh, I've also got some rants, and let's get one of our rants out of the way here really quick. Once again, hope you had a wonderful weekend. Glad to be back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate all of you, as always. Sometimes... It's really hard to find out what things are truly similar. We do comparative analytics on just about everything in sports. Players, teams, owners, front office, management, whatever, quarter, different positions. We do comparison on all that stuff. We love that stuff. I love that stuff. You probably love that stuff. It's like that in lists. Us as sports people, we just love those things. We love to see lists, top 10 this, top 10 that. Uh, greatest five ever here. So, lists, comparisons, we love that stuff. A team that's had a lot of lists and comparisons over the last five to six years has been the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors have shown up on a bunch of greatest dynasty of all time lists, greatest shooters of all time lists, top teams ever. And that's fair. You win three out of five titles, you get that respect. We've also had a bunch of comparisons. Comparing this dynasty to the Lakers dynasty in the early 2000s. Comparing it to what the Heat had in the early 2010s. Comparing it to the Showtime Lakers. Is it as good as the Bulls? We love doing that. We love lists. We love comparisons. We also, as a normal sports culture... There is some inherent jealousy when you see another team doing well. My team's not doing good. This team's doing good. 
I'm just going to find something mean to say about them. Oh, they're not that good. Oh, they're not that great. Oh, you know, this guy's, this guy's overrated. We love the overrated word. Let me be very clear here. I am not a Golden State apologist. I am not a Golden State fan person. I'm not, well, just, yeah, no, I'm not a Golden State fan. Was I extremely, was, was I happy? I don't want to say extremely, but was I very happy when Kevin Durant left and I feel like there was a league-wide balance reset? Absolutely. But what we're not going to do is come in here on a Monday and act like every single, almost every single NBA analyst and radio talk show and sports show host that I've seen over the last week and come in here and pronounce the Warriors dead. I told you guys a couple weeks ago I wasn't listening to daily talk shows, sports radio, that kind of stuff because it was just driving me crazy. Then... I had to start reintroducing myself a little bit because there is something to, once again, comparison, comparing myself to what they're talking about and how well they're doing it, and it is a measuring stick for me. I do it more to analyze than to just consume content. And boy, was there a lot of... For those of you that consume your content through Sports Talk Show or First Take or Undisputed or whoever you're listening to, Stephen A., Mac, Colin, uh, just just... If you're consuming your content through them, peace be with you. Because there has been a lot of, and excuse my language, a lot of bullshit that has been spread the last week. I understand, I understand, I understand. The facts are the facts. Your record, are, you are what your record is. And the Warriors are 0-2. Gosh, it's a good thing we got another 80 games to play. The amount of people that have just written the Warriors off is not that good anymore, not title contenders anymore. Now, oh, they're not even going to be in the playoffs. Oh, they might be a top 10 pick in the draft. What? What? I heard let's 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 crack down on a couple people here really quick. Nick Wright. Okay? Nick Wright, the 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 number one LeBron apologist in the world. Number one, right? We all know Nick Wright. And Nick Wright does a lot of things well. I'm not here to just to, to critique him, but we need to get into him and a couple others. Nick Wright came out last week and said this is a big year for Steph because We've seen other guys in their prime with good and bad teams, and we saw what they did. And if Steph can't get this team to the playoffs, they can't get this team to the finals. What is Steph gonna do? Steph, we gotta see it. Steph, I just don't know if you got it. You don't got Clay. You don't got KD. How good are you really? Okay, Nick. Did you have that same? I'm sorry. And he said it would be damaging to Steph's legacy if he could not bring this team to the playoffs or far in the playoffs. Did he say that same thing about LeBron James just just, just last year? One of his favorite things to say is, I'm old enough to remember. You're right. And I'm old enough to remember just last year when every single analyst 
who came on in the NBA preseason is like, the Lakers are going to the Western Conference Finals, quite possibly the NBA Finals. LeBron's going to do it. I don't know how, but he's just going to do it. It's LeBron. Of course he's going to get to the Finals. He's LeBron. He's every year. Going to get to the Finals. So, when he missed the playoffs, and this was his first time being in the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference, and we knew the Eastern Conference was weaker, so he went to the West, there was some nerves, but it was like, don't worry, he's God, he's still going to be great, and he missed the playoffs entirely, but it's okay, because I'm also old enough to remember when LeBron said, playoff mode activated, and they proceeded to go, I think it was they lost like 7 out of 10 games as soon as he said it. Yeah. Playoff mode activated. Okay. Kendrick Perkins comes out and says, You know, this Warriors team is done. They're finished. Gonna be a draft gonna be a top 10 draft pick. So two games into your season, when you play Let's get this straight. You play the Los Angeles Clippers, who are great, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are better than people give them credit for. You're 0-2. One of your losses, you get blown out, which in the NBA today, blowouts don't mean the same things. Teams shoot so many threes that games that would be 10 to 15-point wins uh, 10 years ago, now because of the added amount of three-pointers, yes, now they're turning 20, 30-point wins. But two games in, and D'Angelo Russell gets ejected from one of them, and Draymond leaves early from one of them, and now it's just, that's that's your entire season. Two games. I thought the NFL was bad, because we cancel NFL teams after 0-2 starts. But that's at least two weeks into an NFL season. We canceled the Warriors two games, that was just two out of three days. Okay, Perkins. Okay. And I like Kendrick Perkins. I think he's really funny. We just got to deal with ESPN. I like him. But this is a really bad take. Chris Broussard goes on. FS1 The Herd. And he says, I need one good team that's not making the playoffs. That's the Warriors. Hey, no KD. They're not good. Guys. Guys, 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 guys. Like I said, we love comparisons. And I finally figured out the comparison for the Warriors. The Warriors are the team version of Kobe Bryant. I've come on this show so many times. And I'm not even like the number one Kobe fan. But I've had to come on this show so many times in defense of the slander and rhetoric and the narrative around Kobe Bryant post-retirement, and really post-greatness, those last two years, obviously, when he was hurt. And it's insane to me that Kobe went from one of the greatest players of all time to now, once he stopped being great, people just kept picking apart every single little thing. Oh, well, he's this, or he turned the ball over here. He's really, he's not as good as this guy. What? But nobody had the nerves or audacity to say that when Kobe won two titles, Kobe, when Kobe won two titles at the end of 09 and 2010, when Kobe was still the best player in the league in 2011, when LeBron had to go to Miami 
And part of the reason was not just to beat the Celtics. Is he knew if he got to the finals the following year, he had no shot against Kobe and the Lakers. But no one had anything to say during that time. No one had anything to say when Kobe Bryant was giving 30 points to your favorite player and playing shutdown defense. No one had anything to say about him. When the Warriors are winning 60-plus games, 72 games, and they're winning titles, no one had anything to say. And now the second they're 0-2, and the world celebrates and says, ah, they're not good anymore. They got two games. So you could have what you're telling me is I can have a five-year run comparable to anybody in the sport, comparable to any run ever, and two games dethrones my legacy? I want you guys to go to work tomorrow. Go start a new job. And I want you to be one of the highest performing, if not the highest performing employee at your work for five years. I mean, you're there on time. You stay late. You're amazing. If you do, you make sales calls. You do whatever you do to be the highest performing employee for five years. And then I want you to wake up late on a Tuesday. And then I want you to be so-so on Wednesday. And I want your boss to come in and say, hey, man, you really got to step it up. You're just, you just not doing it. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're not, you're not doing it. You're not stepping it up. I got five years of this. And after two days, two days, I'm canceled? Yet, we're, and let's kind of segue from the Warriors Day into this Lakers love. I come on here. And do hard right, hard left, which is me saying what I'm right about, what I'm wrong about. And I can admit, hey, I was wrong, move on, keep going forward. And in life, you have to do that same thing. If you have too much pride and you're like, I don't want to admit I'm wrong or oh, I feel weird about it. Like, no, you just got to admit that you're wrong, keep moving. And all these NBA analysts refuse to do that. As stated... All last NBA preseason, the Lakers are going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Lakers are going to win the titles. LeBron's going to be MVP. And then none of that happened. And then LeBron, not only did he not go to the Western Conference Finals, he alienated his whole team. And the guys who said, oh, they couldn't do it. Have you seen Lonzo, Josh Hart, and Ingram in New Orleans? Brandon Ingram's averaging 27 points a game in New Orleans right now. Lonzo Ball is shooting and playing confidently. Josh Hart is one of the, if not the leading candidate for sixth man of the year. That's really only because it's in New Orleans. It's gonna be hard. To, it's gonna be hard to get the hype that and deserved that Lou Williams and Harrell are gonna have in L.A. It's just a bigger market. They're playing great right now, and that's who he said ah, I can't do it. Alienates the team. Misses the playoffs. Then they gut the team. Have Anthony Davis and some veterans who we're still not sure if they're going to work out. Although I do like the Dwight Howard pickup. And now we're just right back to old Lakers are title favorites. Old Lakers are going to win the Western Conference Finals. Old Lakers are the best team in LA. What? What? 
So, we've canceled the Warriors two games in after a five-year run. LeBron gets to the finals eight years, loses five of them. Loses five of them. Then misses the playoffs, including his last two. And we're just all assuming and we're all like, oh yeah, the Lakers are still good. Lakers are still great. Hey, it was you know you know why? You know why? Le- LeBron missed time last year and that's why they sucked. Okay. Okay. Laker hype, and I live in San Diego. Laker hype, there's nothing like it. I understand. I'm aware. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wake up and change the world and people not be crazy about the Lakers. But let's be realistic here. We don't know how this team's gonna look in a month. AD has injury history, even though I wish nothing but the best for him. LeBron has not been the same player since coming over to the Lakers. I've said so many times, deep breath. Just take a deep breath, give us some time, watch stuff play out. The Lakers aren't title favorites. The Warriors aren't dead. This is going to be one of the best NBA seasons that we've had in probably a decade. But not... You know how you really have to enjoy this season? And this is this is an honest thing. You have to stay off Twitter to enjoy this NBA season. This is not the NBA. This is not the kind of season that you watch in a such a tight vacuum that only two games is what you're willing to base stuff off. Stay off Twitter. It's not good for you. It's not gonna be good for your health. Stay off Twitter, man. The Warriors aren't dead. The Lakers aren't title favorites. I'm going to enjoy this NBA season, and I just bigged up the Warriors, and they're probably going to return the favor by beating the shit out of the Pelicans tonight when they play. My life. You are listening to Hard Foul Radio. We'll be back momentarily. Good morning. Welcome back to Hard Foul. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Have you listened to us on this Monday? Got my first rant out of the way. <sighs> I feel better now. Feel better. And I do think, and to, and this isn't a, a a wild take. I do think out the gate, the Clippers are the best team in the league. Um, not a hot take. Not a in a vacuum take. I just that's what I believe. 
I believe they were really good last year, and that was out a single all-star. And now you get Kawhi, who I think is going to play a lot early in the season, and then you're going to get Paul George, who will get to play himself back into shape while Kawhi gets to rest down the stretch. And I think they get 50 to 60 wins. Um, I really not. I don't think CD is going to matter too much with them. Uh, and then once you get that lineup in the playoffs, to me, they're probably going to run something, probably some small ball. It's going to be Patrick Beverly, Lou Will in the backcourt, Kawhi and Paul George as your forwards, and Harrell as a center. And that is dangerous defensively. You can make a case really only Lou Will would be your spot if you're, a, um, if you're an opposing offense that you could really feel comfortable going at. Um, I think the Clippers personnel-wise, I think coach-wise, I've Doc Rivers since since I graduated middle school, and Doc Rivers won a championship with the Celtics in 08. Um, super high on my list of coaches. He's great. I don't think he. I think he had a very unfair rap for what happened with that Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan team about never getting them over the top. This I think is clearly a better team, especially suited for how the NBA is now. Um, I'm also just admiring my studio, guys. I've been putting a lot of work these last two weeks for this, and it's it's really come together so nice, and I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, really glad you guys are here with me today um, and going forward. I know I take breaks. I apologize. Not trying, but it's never even if it's a break from recording, it's never a break from working. So let's get into it. Let's get into it is an NFL Monday. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly excuse me, from this last week in the NFL. Starting with the good, Adrian Peterson is still good. Like, do we understand that Adrian Peterson is, I, I tweeted out, he could he could run for 1,000 yards when he's 40 years old. He's on a uncompetitive Washington Redskins team who lack of talent, lack of quarterback, uh, all the problems in the world. He had a thousand yards last year. He could still have a thousand yards this year. He just he just wakes up and he could still give you 15 carries, 80 to 90 yards, give you a de- give you a good running game, break off a couple runs. Obviously, he's no longer what he was in Minnesota, but Adrian Peterson is still really good. Speaking of good, excuse me, the Seahawks really good. And then the Falcons are the kind of game people tell you if, oh, well, they only beat Atlanta by seven, and Atlanta's terrible. Uh, Matt Schaub threw 400-something yards against them, which Matt Schaub throwing for 450 yards in 2019 is like a mind-blowing, just, there, there's a lot to unpack in that. But this is the kind of game that they would call a trap game. This is the kind of game, it's real easy, you're playing Atlanta, and you're like, okay, Matt Ryan's out. They've been awful all year. They lost confidence in their coach. It's this is the kind of game that they should should lose. Or it's something they should win. And it's a really easy game to lose. There's a bunch of games. If you look at the schedule, um, look at the Colts Broncos game. The Colts went into that game thinking, okay, we don't think that highly of Denver. Uh, they're really not that great. And you saw in the way the Colts played, they weren't as focused as they were when they played the Texans. So trap game. When you win those kind of games, that's why Russell Wilson's really good. That's why Russell Wilson is great. Uh, Seahawks are second good. And our third. And this guy could get it literally every single week. Um, excuse me. That's 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 Deshaun Watson. 
Deshaun Watson is really, really good, guys. Um, said it for the last year, year and a half now. That is the Warren Moon of this generation. Uh, Drew Brees-esque. He, he threw a pass blind, basically, after getting kicked in the face. I just didn't see where he was. Adjusts his helmet mid-throw and still gets a touchdown pass off. I mean, like, that's, that's just, that's not normal. It's not normal. Bad. Everything about Chicago but their defense. And I've watched this formula in Denver. You've seen everything around the defense deteriorate and slowly get worse. Sometimes actually rapidly get worse. And it is a very defeating thing as a fan base. Um, and we'll get into Denver more uh, later because there is some stuff that we're doing that I like, but the Bears, offensively, eh. Special teams kicking, eh. Their defense, amazing, great. Maybe the best unit in the league. But everything else, it's kind of bad. Uh, second bad. Are we convinced Sam Darnold is what we think he is? I mean, there's a stat. They were showing the 2018 quarterback class um, and what they're doing now. And it was, they're doing their pro football passer rating or pro football focus rating that, um, and Lamar Jackson was number one. And two through five was a real distant two through five. And Sam Darnold's turnover prone decision making hasn't been great. Yes, he has. Had moments of brilliance um, against the Cowboys, obviously, but I'm not. I'm not sure. The more I see him, he just makes some really just ill-advised throws. I don't think the Jets are. I think the Jets are obviously a work in progress in terms of talent, personnel, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on the Jets quite yet, and it's really just more so Sam Darnold. That's one of the bad. Final bad, come on, Bills. You were supposed to do it. The Eagles came off a game. They looked so bad. Everybody was down the Eagles. Their own locker room was like, oh, well, I'm not sure if Carson can do it. We had Nick Foles. And they came out, and the Bills had a chance to make a statement game. Look how good we are. Look how good our defense is. We're ready to compete with New England. And they laid an egg 31-13. This would be an ugly performance normally, but the Bills have been so good during the season that I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to them. Ugly, the whole Broncos Colts game. A lot of people don't watch Bronco games. I completely understand. Denver's played some of the ugliest games that we've had in the league this year. Uh, Denver Tennessee was ugly. Denver San Diego was ugly. Denver and Indianapolis was ugly. Kansas City Denver was ugly, but for a different reason. They just, they've played this really ugly brand of football, which is fine if you were winning. They're two and six. That's how my football season's gone, guys. I will say, if it's a, if it's a note, the defense for Denver has played really well again. And the def and the offense for Denver has played really bad again. Someone brought up a stat. Andrew Mason, a really good reporter for the Broncos, 
Denver in nine games without Emmanuel Sanders in his tenure there uh, averaged 13 points a game. Their first game without him, they put up 13. Great. Ugly. Uh, the, the Panthers are supposed to do better. I, I understand the, the Niners could have been on the good or great list, and they, they could have been, um, but the, the Panthers could have done better. Besides one McCaffrey run, it was lackluster. It looked unprepared. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty. It, they just looked like they got punched in the mouth super early on, and they just never looked back. The game spiraled out of control. Just ugly performance. Um, I just think Panthers are one of the better teams in the NFC. But as you'll see in the segment coming up, um, I do think there's a difference. Uh, also ugly. I'm not gonna pick on Baker Mayfield in this one. Uh, I'm just going to say, ugly is every single quarterback that's tried to play the Patriots. The Patriots have held quarterbacks to a 37 quarterback rating. Okay? You get 39 if you just spike the damn ball. You could literally throw the ball into the ground and be more effective against the Patriots than trying to actually throw the ball forward. Think about that. And we still haven't even seen Tom Brady play good. Tom Brady's been below average. But he's been a little bit better each week. Timing's a little bit better. They're going to get more offensive personnel back. This is one of the greatest defenses of all time. And they don't get the credit because they don't have a nickname. They don't have a superstar player besides Gilmore. And we're just the, the greatest quarterback of all time gets to just sit back and relax. And that was, you know, tw- 20 to 20. Tom Brady has turned into the, I'm only just going to throw 20 to 25 times and not lose the game. And you know he's going to have one or two performances where he can step up and throw for 300 yards and three, four touchdowns and win you the game. And we're all just, it's the Patriots world. We're just living in it. And it's ugly if you're a quarterback going against him. That is the good, bad, and the ugly for week eight of the NFL season. All right. So, I've done, I came on here before, and I was giving you my good, bad, and uglies, and then I was telling you quarterly power rankings. Um, I think starting next week, I'm going to do weekly power rankings. Uh, forgive me, I bit into the pressure. I think this is part of doing daily shows is I'm going to have to just repeat some of these topics each week. So daily power rankings are a thing. Um, I'm going to do something similar with the NBA. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but some, something similar with my top 10 teams in the NBA. So let's get into it. Not top 10 today, but I'm going to do my core four. The core four are these are the teams that I consider to be the best in the NFL. These are the teams that I consider and think should be up there for, here for it, for Super Bowl favorites. So number one, you got to start with New England. It's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. You just the, the offense will get itself figured out. This defense is as good as any we've ever seen. Just said, 38 quarterback, 37 quarterback rating. You get 39 for spiking the ball. Whole bunch of defensive touchdowns. They don't, they just don't let you pass. There's some plays you can get running on them, but 
you just you, throwing the ball is detrimental to your success as an offense against New England. Then, for maybe one of the first times I can think of in a while, I don't think there's another great team in the AFC. I understand the Chiefs, but even if you look at it pre-Mahomes injury, Mahomes had games where it seemed like people were kind of catching up to him. And I don't put that so much on Mahomes as I do as Tyreek Hill having been out. I don't think Travis Kelsey separating the way that he separated in the past. This Chiefs offense, yes. If they're clicking, best offense in the league, bar none. But Mahomes being out for a couple weeks, I think that's going to mess up his timing even more. Um, Sammy Watkins came out the great on fire, has slowed down tremendously since then. And Andy Reid in the playoffs, I'm sorry, I just I just don't trust. Regular season, just right off for 12-4, and four, one of the best offenses. In the playoffs, I'm not there yet with him. So to me, the next three teams are just going to kind of... It's going to be a fight of them just in the playoffs. That first team, the San Francisco 49ers, who need, people need to be worried about. I came out here and said early in the season that if Dak was going to take a Tom Brady-style contract, the Cowboys could be the best team personnel-wise in the league in two years. The San Francisco 49ers don't need Jimmy Garoppolo to take a less contract or a contract of lesser value they have one of those rare situations where he's gonna have a deal in place where his deal he's got his money right now and then in two or three years then they can start paying some of these defensive personnel and their young receivers and offensive personnel they're gonna be set up for a long sustained ride of success here because they don't got to pay anybody on defense or any of the young guys for about two or three years and then Garoppolo's money is going to be a lot different because these quarterback contracts, as big of a number as they are in your first and second year, by the time you get to year five, four, five, and six, they become reasonable value. Look at Cam Newton's contract. Cam Newton's going to make $20 million, and that's considered reasonable for what's going to be 2019-2020. 49ers are dangerous. Defensively, they're scary. Offensively, maybe the best scheme in football right now with Kyle Shanahan, Garoppolo, uh, Nick Bozen, no matter regardless of how you feel about him, of some of the stuff that he has said and tweeted, they're real scary. That is a real team. Only undefeated team in the NFC to combat New England being the only undefeated team in the AFC. Possibly the number one seed. Richard Sherman, you did it right. Richard Sherman is just you just been on top of the NFC West your whole career. You did it right. Congratulations, man. Secondly, Second or third team, I'm sorry. Second team in the NFC, uh, the Saints. And let me say the back. Let me take the back. Let me take the back. Not the Saints, but I do have something about the Saints coming up. Pack Green Bay Packers. This is kind of similar to my uh, New England Patriots Tom Brady theory. The Packers were able to win with a, in a bunch of different ways: running game, defense, special teams. Before Aaron really got it going. And I think when Aaron really gets it going, that is better than anybody in the league, including Mahomes. Even the, even the Rus- even Russell Wilson, excuse me. I think Mahomes and Russell Wilson have separated themselves as far as being top tier and being the top guys on a consistent week-to-week basis. 
But I think Aaron's peak is still better than anybody's. And Aaron is starting to look like peak. Peak Aaron Rodgers, this defense, this running game, the Packers are a serious problem, serious threat. And when they get in the playoffs, you're going to have a top 10 defense, a top 10 running game, and Aaron Rodgers. That's, I mean, let me be very clear here. I don't do. I don't want to release any breaking news, but that's really, really good. Then my fourth team is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this is the one I am most concerned about because them and the team I'm going to say next both, I believe, are overachieving, and I think the overachieving is more of a regular season run than it will be a playoff run. But Russell Wilson, in my right now, mind right now, he's the MVP of the league. Uh, Bobby Wagner should get some defensive player of the year consideration because his defense has, well, yesterday might not have been the best example. This defense has played well, and it's really just him. If you look at who was on those great Seattle defensive teams, he's the only guy left. He is leading this team in turn, uh, leadership, getting guys in the right spot, tackles. He's just, he is so much the pillar of that defense and is so needed, so intricate. Um, Bob Wagner should get some defensive player of the year consideration. Russell Wilson should be the MVP. I just think they're elevating that team so much, but it's kind of a fundamental and coaching thing as well, where I think that plays out over the regular season winning games. I think they'll get 11, 12 wins, but in a playoff game where just flat out, you need guys to make plays, you need guys to step up. I'm the least confident about them having just more guys that are going to step up, make plays, do all that kind of stuff. The team I left out of that is the Saints, uh, because the Saints are in the same boat. I think the Saints look really good right now in the regular season because I think they're coaching-wise. I don't think they're going to make a lot of mistakes. I don't think they're going to lose many games. Because in the regular season, you can literally get 10, 11 wins by just not losing games. But when it comes time for the playoffs, Drew Brees is no longer who Drew Brees was. I know he came back yesterday and it looked really good and it was really cool. They came back, but it was against the Cardinals. Which helps because if you need to, going into your bye week with your quarterback who's coming off an injury, what better way to make him look really good than to play the Cardinals? Um, so I think they're a matter of similar to the Seahawks, but I think the Seahawks a little bit better. And that's only because I think Russell Wilson is more of a playmaker than Drew Brees is at this point in his career. I think they will not lose games, but when it comes time for the playoffs and they need to win games, they can't have slow starts against San Francisco or Green Bay or even Seattle. They need to come out the gates firing on all cylinders. I don't think they get home field. I think that goes to San, especially if they play San Francisco. I don't think it's going to be at home. Um, and I think home field is so important to that team. Once again, I think they get 11, 12 wins. But as far as a playoff and a serious Super Bowl run, I don't have the Saints in there. So those are our core four halfway through the NFL season. Power rankings return next week. Hart Fowl will be back at the end after this little break with something only I would understand.
Welcome back. I'm glad that you joined us today. Um, once again, new studio, new equipment, a whole bunch of new stuff. Been super fun, super excited. Hope you guys enjoyed the green screen effect for those of you that are watching on YouTube. Um, eventually, too, and next Monday is my goal for getting it out, but there will be a full-length YouTube video of the entirety of the show. Super excited about that. Um, like I said, two computers, more I can do. Um, making it before I am to do these, you guys. You know, trying here. Um, yeah. Also, some Twitch streaming, which should be regular by mid-November. Well, we're also looking into that. Yeah, maybe. Hope you all had a great weekend. If you went out and drank, hope you did it responsibly. If you went and spent time with your family, hope you did. Enjoy your loved ones. Enjoy all of that time. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Something only I would understand. Chicago needs to sign Teddy Bridgewater at the end of this season. And that's not game-breaking. That's not something that it took Justin to figure out and go, oh, yeah, that's what they need to do. But here's really why you need to do it. Because I've seen this. We just talked about early in the show. Chicago has a great defense. Great. Khalil Mack, great. The rest of the, their secondary, really, really good. There's the, the defense as a whole might be the best unit in football. And that's even with the 49ers playing the way they're playing. But you can only subject your defense to subpar sub special teams and subpar offense for so long. They start to feel like, man, what's the point in this three now? We're not even going to get the ball back. We're, we get the ball back to who? Get the ball back to Mitch Trubisky and so he can go three and out himself? Or better yet, get the ball back to him so he can throw an interception and put us on a short field? Don't worry, we're going to get the interception. We're going to be able to take it back. And instead of our special teams who missed a kick yesterday to win the game. Chicago. Don't mess around with this. Don't play games. Go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater. Give him a two-year deal. Pay him, pay him whatever the top salary is for quarterback next year. Just give him a two-year deal. You can draft another quarterback. Let him sit behind them. Develop them. Don't do what Denver did. Denver had a top five all-time defense. And how did they reward them? They put seventh-round draft pick Trevor Simeon behind them. And then that didn't work. And so then they, they brought back Brock Osweiler, and then and, and that didn't work. And then they were like, don't worry, guys. We got Joe Flacco, and that, and that doesn't work. I've seen so many games. So many. Where Denver is playing great on defense, and the offense is just so hard to watch. Even, for example, yesterday. Jacob Brissett came out yesterday and said, that's the best defense I've played all year. They're well coached, they're disciplined, they're sound, they don't blow coverages. It's crazy. Denver plays the best ugly football, and it's really only ugly because the offense is ugly. Now Denver's done some things, despite the fans being psychotic, but that's fine. Fans, fanatics, that's what we do. Where they have started to retool some of their process, retool some of their thinking. Third youngest roster in the AFC. Drew Locke, I believe, needs to play before the end of the season. 
and they need a draft O-line heavy. If Drew Locke is the guy they think can play, if not, they need to go get either Herbert or Tua or one of these quarterbacks coming out, Jalen Hurt, somebody. Don't do it, Chicago. Don't waste an all-time defensive opportunity because you want to stick with Mitch Trubisky. You don't miss anybody. Elway, the best thing Elway ever did is he saw what he had in a in a, in a young offense with a young Eric Decker, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, uh, Ryan Clay was there, and Chris Cooper, and he's look and uh, Ryan Harris, and he looked at it and he's like, I got some pieces, but I have Tim Tebow throwing the football. All right, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm not going to waste the chance for a really special offense to wait and see if Tebow could, and I like Tim Tebow, if Tim Tebow could develop into this pocket passer or really make this offense work the way it should, he went out and signed Peyton Manning. Best move he's ever done. You could say, Elway said, which he's since retracted this to a degree, but he said there's no time to rebuild, which that's incorrect. There is time to rebuild. But if you have a chance, and you know you have something special, whether it's something in the making, you get something like the Bears where it is already established, your defense is already that good, don't waste time. Just do it. Make it happen. Make it work. Go sign Teddy Bridgewater. You instantly become a top five team in the NFC next year. Probably a top three or four team with a competent, competent quarterback. Do it, Chicago. Do it for Will. With that, well, as always, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Hope you're back with us tomorrow. This has been Hard Foul. However you are listening on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. Appreciate it. No feelings. Meetings coming later this week as well as A&M. Uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you every day that I get to get up and do this. This is my dream. Appreciate you for sharing some time with me. Peace out.